Amen, amen. You guys can take a seat. That was awesome. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're here for the first time or you're joining us for the first time online, church family, uh, welcome to the place. Welcome to our house. Uh, I'd love to meet you on the porch after the service. My name is Ron. I'm one of the pastors here. And we pride ourselves not just being a church that welcomes, we also connect. And so if you would, please take out the connection cards on your seat backs. If you're watching online, you can go to our app and you can fill one of those out. If you are here for the first time, this commitment card, don't let this scare you. This is not for you if you're here for the first time. It's for everyone who's been here for a second time or a third time or, you know, the last 10 years. But uh, please fill those out, and you can put those in the baskets at the end of the service or in the uh, boxes on your way out. Okay, so this is a big week for us as a church, and if you are brand new to our church, you're going to learn a lot about us. We've been in a, in a building initiative. We're buying a, a building over at 1101 South Washington, and we've been calling this the Two Tent Project. Why are we calling it the Two Tent Project? Well, we're keeping this tent. Uh, last week, I introduced the church planter who's going to be taking over the church building, and they're going to, they got 40 people right now. They're going to try to grow their church in here. Then we're taking our people, all the restoration family, and we're moving over to the building behind Whole Foods on Washington and 25, and we're going to have a lot of fun in there. We're going to grow over there. So that's the main reason we're doing this. We're buying that building for $3.2 million. We have $1.7 million in equity. We're cross-collateralizing, but we need $1.5 million to renovate the building. It has a lot of deferred maintenance and some stuff we've got to tackle. And the other reason we're calling this a two-tent project is because tents are just cool right now. Don't you guys think tents are just, they're, they're back. Tents are back. I mean, many of you have tents on top of your cars now. If I was younger, I would have a tent on top of my car. Even if I never used it, I would have a tent. We got Tommy Sederberry. He's one of our high school uh, residents. That's his car during trunk or treat. I had like a little lame football post. Kids were kicking football saying, this is so lame. He had like a whole camp out thing going on. Girls loved him. Men fear him. It's really cool. So anyway, I would do that if I was younger. So tents are back. And so we thought, hey, we want to be kind of cool, but we'll call it tents. Um, the other reason though is in, in the Bible, tents are a symbol of God's presence. Tents are a symbol of God's blessing. And so the key passage that sort of shaped and informed the way we have approached this this building project is Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 3. And so today, we're going to take a little detour. We've been in the book of Acts. If you're new, we've been in that book for the last several months. We're going to be in Isaiah today and then back in the book of Acts next week. So the key passage for this whole initiative is this, Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Okay, verse one seems kind of cruel. God's saying to a barren woman, hey, sing. Shout for joy. What could be more cruel than asking a barren woman to sing or shout for joy? We got women in our church right now who have fertility issues. That seems so incredibly cruel. But he's speaking to Israel. Israel is in Babylon. They're in exile. And he's personifying Israel as being this, this barren woman who cannot have children because she's been captured and she's not in her homeland. She has no tent. But he's saying things are going to change. We'll, we'll get to the prophecy here in a second. In verse 2, he says, get ready. Do not hold back. Enlarge the place for your tent. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And then in verse 3, he says, you're going to spread it to the right and to the left, which was a euphemism for north, south, east, and west. You're going to come back into your promised land, and you're going to spread in every single direction. So this prophecy took place 2,700 years ago, and God fulfilled it. First of all, he fulfilled it in 539 B.C., uh, after the Babylonians had captured and exiled Israel, 
Then the Persians conquered the Babylonians, and King Cyrus ushered an edict in 539, allowing all the countries that had been captured to go home and, and rebuild their nations. Uh, Israel was one of those nations. They went back to Jerusalem. Uh, the walls were down. The, the temple was destroyed. And then in 444 BC, Nehemiah went back, and he rebuilt the walls, and he had uh, the king blessed him and gave him the supplies and the resources to, to do that. And they rebuilt Jerusalem, and they began to grow, and they prospered. Their tent was enlarged. They, they began to spread out once again to the east and the west, the north and the south. And then in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed uh, Jerusalem once again, and the people of God, the Israelites, were scattered all over the world. Then in 1947, once again, God made good on his prophecy, brought them back into the land of Israel, the Palestinian-Israeli war, and they continued to thrive there. But this prophecy is way, way, way bigger than one nation. It's way bigger than just one piece of land where a, a nation could thrive. This prophecy applies to the kingdom of God. Because Isaiah chapter 54 is, is right after Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah 50, 53 is about the Messiah. It's about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And in Isaiah 53, it mentions some of the, the attributes of Jesus, how he would not be that attractive and how he, he, would, he, would not be, uh, he would be basically crucified. He would die for the sins of other people and how he would rise from the dead and how the reason for his death was to, to forgive the sins of, of all of humanity. And then if you take those prophecies and you couple them with the other 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his lifetime, the odds, according to Peter Stoner, who uh, taught in Westmont in the last century, a statistician, would be one times 10 to the 157th power. So for the non-mathematicians, myself included, to wrap your mind around how, what a big number that is, if you could take a single electron, paint it red, and throw it out there in the universe somewhere and say, go find it, that's how likely one person could fulfill all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his lifetime. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? So in light of Jesus, and in light of his message that the kingdom of God is for everyone, not just the Israelis, but for everyone, Gentile and Jew alike, this, this is being fulfilled today. Jesus launched a disciple-making movement that is over two billion strong, and he will not come back until every tribe and every tongue bows before him, and there's a witness in every part of the world. And so this prophecy is not just for a, a group of people 2,700 years ago. This prophecy is for us today. And so I want to talk about us as a church. We're at a very important inflection point as we move. I'm going to talk about how this prophecy applies to us. You in for that today? All right, here we go. Um, so first of all, God is expanding our tent. So he's telling barren Israel and Babylon, get ready, have faith, don't hold back, expand your tent. In other words, expand your heart, get ready, because I'm going to do something really great among you. And I believe as a church, God's about to do something really great among us. So I want to remind you, those of you who have been here for a while, or those of you who are new, uh, let me tell you how this all happened. So we began this church in 2011, and uh, God gave us this building, and we bought it for a half million dollars, even though it just got appraised at $2.1 million, not a bad investment, right? Come on. We like that. And uh, since we've been in here, we've averaged around 500 people over the course of four services pre-COVID. We would be adding a service right now were it not for the fact we're making this move. And then God has used us to multiply because we're a multiplication church more than an addition church. And so we've helped start 46 churches. 40 are going strong. Yeah, and that's what's happening about. Come on. It just... It just takes one clapper to get the whole, thank you. It's your spiritual gift. You have the gift of clapping. I'm so glad you're here today. 
I need you. Uh, so, and then we've also, we've got 100 simple churches. So we've got building churches, like these are called legacy churches with buildings. We have simple churches in our disciple-making movement. About 100 strong right now in our city, and we've got more now in the country, and we've got 200-ish in India, thanks to Jay Tenra, who's in the back there. Come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, can you come back for the next service? I need you back here. All right. So, so God has been blessing us in, in this building, and all while we've been here, we've been looking for another building. I mean, from day one, I, we, we first moved in here, I go, I'm looking for a building. This is going to be great for a while. And we've been kind of stuck at that 500 mark. So while we've been able to multiply, we've not been able to grow our family very much. And so we've hired real estate agent after real estate agent after real estate agent. And then during COVID, we thought, man, this is, this is a great opportunity. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of changes going on in the market. And so we hired this, uh, this real estate company that, that specializes in pre-market deals. And we were super aggressive. We were knocking all kinds of doors and stuff. We were talking to churches. We talked to churches over the years about possibly merging. Nada. Nothing. And so for like the hundredth time, I just gave up. And, and when I gave up this time, it was different. Like I really gave up. I put Isaac on the altar. I go, I'm done. And I think our staff just said the same thing. We're not going to try anymore. We're just going to be faithful with what God has given us. We can keep multiplying faithfully. Let's just not look anymore. And then I read Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. <laughs> it made all the difference. That, wasn't that a turn? Like, you're going this way, we just went that way, okay? So, Matt, if you, how many of you have read this book? Okay, okay. I don't know if I can recommend it or not. Those of you who raise your hands, you're like, is he really recommending this book? I kind of am, but I'm, it's kind of like watching Yellowstone. I don't really watch it, but I do. Um, anyway, so Matthew McConaughey's book, if you do decide, I'm not recommending this, by the way, don't call your mothers DU students, um, but if you do decide to read this book, get the audible version. It's so good, isn't it? It is so good. He's such a great story. He's a genius at telling stories. And so Chris and I, we'd put headphones on the kids so they wouldn't hear all the cuss words. We're driving to Iowa and we're listening to this book and it was so good. And here's kind of the, the, the gist of the story. It's about his journey kind of how God has blessed him over the years. And by the way, McConaughey is a Christian. He's, he's had a kind of a wandering journey over the years. But I, actually, I have friends that go to the church that he goes to in Austin. They say he's legit. He's up front reading the Bible, reading texts. And he and his wife are really involved. When they're in town, they're there. And he's legit, you know, just, he's just a little wild at times. And uh, anyway, so he talks about all the green lights that God gave him over the years. And he would just take the green lights. He talks about yellow and reds as well. But he says, every time I took a green light, God did something really, really cool, right? And, and then he, he, he kind of punctuates his stories with principles, and he's a bumper sticker fan. Like, he traveled for a long time with the Airstream, and he, he's just a bumper sticker guy. And so he bumper sticker, and he'd talk about, you know, something that was sort of principalized what he learned in that, that episode of his life. So let's talk about a few of our green lights the last few months. So we give up looking for a building. We're done. We're done. Even though we've outgrown it, when the brook comes in here, young adult ministry, it's like standing room only. We're done. We'll just figure this out. And then I'm walking on Gaylord Street with Anna Childs and Tanner. Anna was a resident. She came on staff. We're kind of celebrating her move to being a staff position. And uh, we're having, we just had dinner. We're walking on Gaylord. I run into John Gettings, who's the executive pastor at Denver Community Church. I've had a long-term relationship with Michael Hidalgo, their pastor. John, like, hey, John, how you doing? And he kind of grabs me by the side. He goes, hey, as they're walking, he goes, hey, we're going to sell uh, our buildings. Well, my last church actually owned a building they later bought. So I, I said, not interested in that building. Don't want to go right down in the center of the city. But he said, hey, we're thinking about selling our building in, in Wash Park also. And I kind of wrote it off. I thought, 
no parking. I never had that on the list of churches I would want because they didn't have parking. So I go home, but I would say it's a green light, wouldn't you? Green light, okay. Um, I go home and I, I, I go to bed and at three in the morning I wake up and I go, how much parking do they have? And I couldn't remember a parking lot for sure. And then Krista, my wife, went there before she uh, started dating me. And so I let her sleep till like 4.30. And then I woke her up and I go, when you were there, how many people were they running a week? And she said like 1,200, 1,500, somewhere in there. And no parking lot. She goes, no parking lot. I go, did you have trouble finding a parking spot? She goes, no, I could always find parking within two blocks. Green light. Thank you. And so I go, uh, I, I call John up and then Jason and I get with John and we tour the building and then we put in an LOI to, to try to get the building and see if we can get it under contract. And we were competing with other organizations and we don't know what those organizations were, uh, but then they chose us, green light. And the day they chose us is very interesting because we were doing a Shark Tank event. We were giving away money to church plants. You guys have given over $2 million to church plants. I think we're approaching 2.5. And so we were being generous that day. And then we get a phone call in the middle of Shark Tank. I was sitting like right there. And, and I heard from John that they had accepted us. And this is what my staff did to me right after that happened. And um, this is why our staff are not getting Christmas bonuses this year. But anyway, so that happened, okay? Green light. There she is, you're, you're good upstairs, that's good. Green light, okay. Then we go through due diligence, we don't have a lot of problems, it's, the building's been well taken care of. Most of the issues are cosmetic, so we're basically raising money to, if you see the front of the building, it's an eyesore and it, it needs a lot of love. Uh, new windows, new fascia, new soffit, a whole new porch, AVL, all new tech, and these new bathrooms. It, it's mainly like cosmetic stuff that it needs, but we get to the due diligence, not a lot of problems, green light. And that brings us to this, this uh, initiative to raise money to renovate it. Unfortunately, building costs have skyrocketed. So for $1.5 million, we can do everything we need to do to make the building really nice, but it's still a lot of money, right? And so I was praying that we would raise half the money before we really began to push four weeks ago, and we raised exactly $750,000 four weeks ago. And I've been praying that by the time I get up in front of you today, we'd be at a million dollars, and I'm here to tell you we are now at $1 million. Can we put our hands together? So we have $500,000 to go. Yellow light. There you go. Yeah. But it could turn green. It could turn green today. Okay. So we're going to expand the place of our tent. But let me ask you this. Can you imagine if we didn't do this? Here's my bumper sticker. I'm going I'm to channel my inner Matthew McConaughey. When God opens a door for you, you're crazy to not go through it. When God gives you green light after green light after green light, and he opens these doors for you, you're crazy not to go through it. So some of you are single, and you got a past. You've been working on it. You've come to faith. You've been baptized. You've gotten into a simple church. You're being discipled. You're memorizing scripture. You're transforming your, your mind. You're being renewed by the transformation of your mind. Um, you've stopped watching porn. You've gotten off at Tinder. You're now on Hinge. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, you're, you're no longer playing Minecraft in the basement of your mother's house. Like you've got your own place to live. Like you're, you're, you're improving, you're growing. And then God brings a, a woman into your life and she's been doing the same kind of work. She's been going, growing as a disciple of Jesus. She's becoming more like Jesus and she's been dealing with her past. And, and she's right in front of you. You'd be crazy not to ask her out. Remember this when you're on the porch today. Okay. Yeah. When God opens a door for you, you're crazy to not go through it. 
we would be crazy not to pursue this opportunity and raise the money we need to be able to do this right and make this into a space that we're proud of, that we can bring our friends and our family and invite the city to come and experience the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay. So here's a few reasons we're doing few reasons we're doing this. First of all, it's twice as much space for worship. We have 170 seats. Uh, we're in overflow today, so call it 190. Uh, and, and we've never been able to grow very much because of the number of seats. 320 seats over there. So it more than doubles the number of seats. Okay? Why is that important? One of the reasons we share the gospel is we want more worshipers. God is worthy of our worship. And the more people worshiping him in the city, the better. The more we stop worshiping the created and we start worshiping the creator, the healthier we will be as a city and as a culture. That's important. Um, also, it's three times the space for our kids and for our students. There'll be many kids who are alive today, students in, in this generation, who will not be chasing hard after Jesus in their 20s because their parents had them chasing hard after a puck or a ball when they were teenagers and kids. We want to change that. We want to disciple parents and we're going to have a great space for our kids. We get downstairs, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a stage, and we've already got like $20,000 worth of video games that one guy bought because he's trying to create the student ministry room he always wanted as a kid. So I, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome space for our kids and, and for our parents to grow with our kids. Um, two times the building. So we'll have this building. Last week, if you were here, you met Jesse Davis and One City Church. They're going to be moving in here after we move over there. They're going to take their 40 and, and grow into a, a larger church. And then uh, I'm encouraging them, I'm coaching them to not just be a church that tries to grow, but to be a church that multiplies. Because multiplication always beats addition in the long haul. And then you guys may not know this, but we have a church meeting in here now besides us. And I'm going to introduce you to the pastor, Javier and Priscilla, if you guys would come up right now. Can you guys please give a warm welcome to Javier and Priscilla? So here's a little of their story. Uh, Javier is Spanish-speaking. Priscilla's his interpreter today. And uh, they were looking for a building during COVID. They got kicked out of their church. And they literally were knocking on doors. And they came to us. And we'd been praying that God would give us an Hispanic church to meet in this building. And you guys were the answer to our prayer. And so I just want to ask you, Javier, what's it meant for you to be in our, in our building? Okay. So le está preguntando que, qué significa para usted estar en este edificio aquí con ellos. Uh, antes que nada, muchas gracias Restauración por la oportunidad uh, Para mí significa mucho porque cuando llegó la pandemia Nosotros nos quedamos sin templo y nos quedamos sin gente El Espíritu Santo me habló de esta, de esta iglesia Y me trajo a esta iglesia Guiado solamente por el Espíritu Santo Yo no sabía de esta iglesia, yo no conocía de esta iglesia Y vine aquí y estaba Jason. Nos encontramos con Jason, pero fue guiado por el Espíritu Santo. Ahorita continúa. Okay, the only thing I count is Jason. So, can you interpret for us? <laughs> okay, so um, when the pandemic started, well, being here means a lot. And when the pandemic started, um, we didn't have a church to be in anymore. So we were having Zoom meetings, and that's how we were having our services for a really long time. So. We had been praying for a while, and the Holy Spirit um, had been speaking to us, and we didn't even know about this church. We didn't know anybody in this church, so we were just guided by the Holy Spirit, and um, we came here, and we spoke to Jason, and um, Jason was being, how do you say it? Um, he was being led by the Holy Spirit as well, so he's going to He was being Jason. 
Y des, después este, hablamos con Jason y el pastor, con el pastor también hablamos. Ah, llegamos a esta iglesia con 20 personas, me quedé con cinco familias porque todas se fueron a las, a las otras iglesias, las iglesias hispanas abrieron pronto la pandemia y nosotros nos quedamos sin templo y llegamos aquí nos abrieron las puertas y estamos muy agradecidos con ustedes, con la iglesia restauración y con el pastor Ron. So after we talked to Jason, Jason spoke to Pastor Ron and um, we went from there, but we started off with only five families when we started here and because they all like left us because all the other churches opened um, and everyone just left to the other churches that were already open. So we have grown a lot while being here. We're up to like, ¿cuántas familias tenemos? We're around like 60 to 70 people now. We went from 20 to like 60 or 70 people. So we're very thankful for you guys and we appreciate everything you guys have done for us. Uh, can we pray for you guys? What an honor it's been to have you in our building. It's not an honor to have them in our building. Yeah, right. Father, we, we thank you for Emmanuel Iglesia. We, we thank you for the work of Javier. We thank you for his perseverance and his resilience. When it would have been easy to give up, uh, he chose to keep, keep trusting and keep seeking, and you brought him to us at just the right time. And now they're prospering, and they're seeing people come to faith. And uh, we pray that as we move into this new building together, that you'd, you would give even more favor to them, and they grew even more. And we thank you that they're reaching people we could never, ever reach. And so what an honor it is for us to be in partnership with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. All right. Thank you so much. So two times the number of buildings so we can plant more churches because we're about multiplication, not just addition. Also, um, every year in our city, three to nine churches are sold to uh, non-churches, to developers and whatnot. And so we want to keep these buildings in, in the kingdom. Amen. If you're new to Denver, uh, we're one of the least church cities in the country. Approximately 3% of the people in our city uh, go to church. And uh, in the last 10 years, we've started six churches downtown Denver, and coupled with about four or five that, more that I know of, um, those churches pre-COVID were reaching about 4,000 to 5,000 people a weekend, and so maybe 10,000, 8,000, something like that uh, in a given month. And so we need more of these churches. We need to keep the buildings in, in the kingdom and not let them get sold to developers. That's one of the reasons that we're, we're, we're doing this. So bottom line is this. God wants to enlarge the place of our tent so we can enlarge the number of people in Jesus' tent. That's why we're doing this. It's ultimately not about buildings. It's about the kingdom of God and people worshiping the creator. Uh, number two from this passage, God is stretching our faith. So he says, expand your tent. Open your tent curtains wide. But then he says, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. So God is stretching our faith. So back to that picture of the tent. Did I show this earlier? I didn't. Okay, I forgot the tent. So that would be in the minds of the Israelites. Now, when they were in, in Babylon in exile, they were kind of post-tent era, but they still knew of people, shepherds, who would have tents like this. And this was their heritage. And so you, you, would, you would make these panels out of goat hair. Apparently, it's very water repellent. And then as you would expand your tent, as you would have a baby, or as you would, your son or your daughter would get married, and you'd include them in the family, you would add spaces to your tent. And as you did that, you had to lengthen the cords to be able to handle the resistance that wind and storms would, would uh, bring against the tent. And so while we're expanding our tent, God is stretching our faith. He's stretching us, is he not? Like many of you, you've never even given. Like this is a whole new thing, like giving to church. I've never done this before. And we've been talking about right pocket, left pocket, how for the mission requires us to give on a regular basis to the mission of the church. And many of you do that. You're very generous and you, you've uh, created like a, 
automatic tie that you do, and many of you are tithing 10%, and you, you keep the lights on, and you allow us as a staff to equip you to make disciples, who'll make disciples for generations to come. And so that's new to many of you. And then we have this left pocket thing called an offering. It's above and beyond tithes that we do every once in a while for a special opportunity like this one. And so for many of you, it's like, this is a major, major stretch. Like you've never given, and you've never seen God come through for you, and so it's kind of scary. God's stretching all of us, especially those who are new to the ways of Jesus and, and to giving. Um, I, I've got a daughter. I've got, if you're new, I've got two little kids, and I've got, uh, I've got three older ones, and my son, any hour right now, I may have a grandkid. I'm really psyched about that. Like, she was due like three days ago, so if, I, if it was already, I'd have pictures up all over the place. You guys are going to be sick of me in a few months, so I'm going to be showing you pictures all the time. But my, my middle daughter in Family 1.0, Sabrina, she was a ballerina, Sabrina the ballerina, and uh, she was like her dad, like, this is as far as I can go with the splits, and that hurts. I got a cramp right now on my hip just doing that. So she has my flexibility. So I would, when she was in high school, I would push her against a wall, and I would read a book, and then she would you know, put AirPods in and listen to music, and I would push her to the point where she would almost scream. <laughs> Don't turn me in. Um, I'd push her, and then she ah, that's enough, that's enough. And I'd, we'd hold, we'd wait a little bit, and then she'd relax, and I'd push a little more. And, and over the period of several weeks, she eventually got to where she could do the splits, which is very important when you're a ballerina. But as her father, I was stretching her. Our Heavenly Father is stretching us right now as a church. He is stretching our faith, is he not? And so we've been learning a lot about, about giving as we've gone through the book of Acts. I want to remind you of a few of the things that we've learned in the last several weeks. First of all, we've learned that we're managers, not owners. So some of you will remember Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. So the early church was a generous church. As they realized what a generous God we have, a God who sent his only begotten son to die for us, to forgive us for our sins, and they realized how radically generous God is, they became generous. And they realized they're not, they're not owners. But when you surrender your life to Jesus, you surrender everything. We'll be singing about that in a little bit. You surrender all. And you stop being an owner of your resources, and you become a manager. And managers are accountable we will be accountable to God for how we manage everything he's given us. Our education, our jobs, our platforms, our relationships, our energy, our money, our spiritual gifts, everything. And so as managers, we're asking God the question, God, of all that you've given me, how much do you want me to give to this, this opportunity? And we've shown you a couple times this, uh, this building or this money diagram, giving diagram. And we've been saying we need gifts kind of in all these different levels. And some of us have looked at this we've gone, well, I gave it that level. I feel like God's calling me to go to that level, the next level, stretch even further. So Chris and I were at one level, and we thought, man, this is the biggest gift we've ever given to a church. We're like, wow, we did a good job. If we kept praying, we felt like God was saying, I want you to give again. And he stretched us even further. But I want to encourage you to, to realize, do not despise these smaller gifts at the bottom. The small ones are just as important as the big ones. I don't know how this happens, but there is a spiritual energy that gets released when people stretch and sacrifice a little bit. And it impacts everyone at different income levels. I know a woman who is a wonderful soul, goes to our church. She gives out her right pocket. She keeps us going month to month. But then she gave, a, she gave $300 to this initiative. For her, that is a lot of money. Jesus one day was in front of the temple and 
uh, people had a lot of money, high net worth people were dropping a bunch of money in this jars that went in, and there was a woman who dropped in a mite, a little tiny coin that wasn't worth a whole lot, but it represented food for her. It was all she had. And then he said, for as long as, as it takes for me to come back, this story will be told again and again and again. And so it's not about how much we give, it's that we all stretch and we all do what God is asking us to do. Amen? If we'll all do what God's asking us to do, we'll stretch and trust him, we'll have all that we need. Um, the giving heroes in the kingdom of God are not those who give the most, but those who stretch the most. Something else we've been learning from the book of Acts, from Luke, who wrote both the gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts, that is that the more we give, the more God gives us to give. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. We poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the principle here is that the more that we give, the more God gives us to give. Did you catch that? This is why I'm not a very good TV preacher. It's a good thing I don't have hair. You, you might be accusing me right now of being a TV preacher, given the nature of this message. Uh, but, but the TV preachers with all the hair, they say, hey, the more you give to our ministry, the more God's going to give you. He's going to prosper you. You're going to be really rich. That is not what Jesus taught he taught the more you give, the more God's going to give you so you can give even more. doesn't mean God doesn't want us to have nice things and fix up our houses and travel and stuff like that. But, but it's not about increasing our standard of living. That's not God's primary purpose. He wants to increase our standard of giving. And so I've been praying is that for many of you, this is like a gateway drug. Like you give a little bit right now and you go, hey, that was kind of fun. But my heart feels a little freer from my fear of money. I'm placing my, my security less in my money, my comfort, less in my money, and more in God. And you start becoming a person who is generous because the world needs generous people. So we've been learning that from the book of Acts. And then finally, we've learned uh, that the best investments are eternal investments. Not the investments you do on Robin Hood or whatever you do. You know, you go, whoa, man, I scored. That was awesome. That's good too. But the, the best investments are the ones that will give us rewards for all of eternity. So we, we can be rich in this life and poor in the next or we could be a little poorer than, say, our friends and our you know, socioeconomic cohort are and rich in the next. You choose. I choose. Where are we going to place our ultimate wealth? In this life or in the, in the age to come? So the apostles, man, they modeled this for us. So these guys preaching about Jesus and they died and their wives died and their kids died. Why in the world would they do that? They gave up their businesses to preach the gospel and die for what they believed. The reason they did that is because they believed in eternity. They believed in the kingdom of God. They believed they would be rewarded for their sacrifices. So we're learning these principles through the book of Acts. God is stretching our faith, is he not? Does it feel good? Yeah, kind of yes and no. My daughter, liked to, she loved it when I pushed her and then she, you know, it's kind of painful, but also it feels kind of good, okay? All right, last thing uh, I'm gonna speak to regarding how this prophecy 2,700 years ago applies to us as a church right now is that God is deepening our commitment to each other. So he says, uh, strengthen your stakes. The way you would strengthen a stake is you get a longer stake. As you would expand your tent and lengthen the cords in order to resist like sandstorms and rainstorms, you would get deeper, longer stakes and you put those new stakes in the ground. Fresh, long stakes. So strengthening stakes is about going deeper. We're going deeper as a church in our commitment to each other as well as our commitment to God. Uh, deep means many things to many people. But it's important as a church we understand what deep means. Because if we're going to get wider as a church and reach more people, we have to get deeper as a church or we will not be healthy. So some people think deep means more knowledge. 
And there is a place for knowledge. The reason I'm teaching right now is to give you knowledge. Hopefully you're reading the Bible every single day and you're, you're, you're filling your mind with truth. Knowledge is important. But you can have a lot of knowledge and not be very deep. The devil knows the Bible better than anyone ever will. And the devil is evil. Knowledge alone does not make you deep. And so we talk a lot about being deep in obedience. We talk about practicing obedience-based discipleship. Not in some legalistic way or some kind of shame-based way, but because of God's grace. He's changed our hearts. And out of gratitude for what he's done for us, we want to obey him. Because the way God spells love is O-B-E-Y. We practice and obey his commands and we practice and obey them. We understand him better and we experience him more. So we practice obedience-based discipleship because it makes us deeper. We don't want to be cultural Christians. We want to be true disciples of Jesus. But also deep means that we're deep in our commitment to each other. So right now, look around you. Look around. Look backward, forward. You're looking at your brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you looked a little too long. Meet her, meet her, meet her on the porch afterwards, okay? Um, this is your family. We are family. And as family, we help each other. There are 59 one another commandments in the Bible. Love one another. Care for one another. Encourage one another. Share with one another. Challenge one another. We, we are family. And as family, we do the things that families do. We, we cook together. We take out the dishes together. or make, make the dishes together. We take out the trash together. And as adults, we pay the bills. Although in this church, we've making the kids give. <laughs> so they're actually, I think they're taking up an offering for the two tents initiative downstairs. Like it's never too early to teach stewardship, okay? So you don't want your kids out giving you parents, all right? But we give. We, we need to all give because we're committed to each other. This is an opportunity for us to deepen our commitment to one, one another. Um, at, at Restoration, we do not measure membership like by a piece of paper and you sign it. Uh, we measure membership organically. So we say, you're a member if we see that in your behaviors. If you're serving, you're discipling, you're bringing your friends, you're sharing the gospel, you're giving to the work of the ministry, you're helping the poor together. I'm, I'm going to show you a picture of Beth Schulte. Beth is on the front row. I hope I don't embarrass her. That's Beth, and she's the most eligible woman over 50 in all of Denver. Come on, guys. If you're over 50, if you're over 50, she knows how to do this. See me on the porch, but I want a finder's fee calling it Rinder, not Tinder, not, I'm gonna, I want to find your fee. Anyway, so anyway, meet me on the porch. But Beth has been involved in our church since like the very beginning. And she has laid her life down for this church. She has prayed for us. She has given financially. She has served. She has discipled. She's been discipled. She's a member. We are members of one another. We're members of the same family. I don't care if you're new, but if you call this your church, you're a member now. And members, when they have an opportunity from God, they, they, they work on it together. So um, if you call this your church, please don't say, hey, I'm going to let other people take care of this. I'll let other people pay the bill on this renovation. Do not do that. This is your opportunity from being a, to go from being a consumer to a contributor. This is a chance for all of us to grow up a little bit and participate and be adults spiritually. Okay? And, and don't just say, hey, you know, I'll let the older people do it. I'm in college. I'm a 20-something. I don't have any money. I'll let the older people, I've seen their cars out in the parking lot, I'll let them do it. Don't, do not do that. Trust me, they've been doing their part, okay? And now it's your turn. Do what you can. If it's 100 bucks, it's 100 bucks. Every little bit, lots of little makes much. And here's the, I'll tell you a little secret. If you're in college and you're broke, call your parents. There's someone calling right now. That's your parents, pick up that phone. 
and you call your parents and you say, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to church. And your mom's going to go, honey, he's going to church. And get back on the phone and say, hey, we're doing this, this building initiative and we need you know, $1.5 million. Would you guys give? Call your parents. Do what you can do, but then call your parents, okay? I've done this before. I know this works. This is good, All right? All right. And again, do not despise small gifts. Do what you can do. Lots of little makes much and it increases the overall faith of our, of our family. So restoration right now is our opportunity to put a stake in the ground. God's expanding our tent. He's stretching our faith. And he's deepening our commitment to one another. And so as you came in, you saw a commitment card on your seat. That's your stake. Go ahead and pull that out right now. Go ahead and pull it out. We're going to pray over these in just a minute. We're going to uh, create a sacred moment where we ritualize our commitment to one another and to going through the green lights that God has given us. So even if you've already given, and many of you have, if you've already given, I still want you to fill this out because I want you to be a part of this ritual. So take it out and uh, put your name on there. And if you haven't yet made a commitment, go ahead and put that number on there. And you can give throughout the year. This is a one-year initiative or you can just give once. You can do it right now or you can do it later in the year. Okay. But go ahead and fill that out. And as you're doing that, if the trustees that are in the room, staff members from the room, elders from the room, if you guys would come up. I didn't ask you before the service to do this, but come on up right now. And uh, Keith Rosenhagen is going to pray here in just a moment. But go ahead and fill those out. And this will also help us kind of cross-check with what we, you told us you were going to give online. But fill that out. It's your stake, showing you're committed to your family and to going through the green light God has given us. be finished that you can finish here in a second just take that card and put it upside down so no one can see it and just place it in your hands like this and just hold it out right now as an offering to God just hold it out and then Keith Rosenhagen our best looking elder is going to pray over our commitments right now Heavenly Father Lord uh, this is an offering Lord that, uh, that we all make but it's, it's really an investment, Lord, into your kingdom. It's an investment into what you want to do, Lord, to, uh, to grow and, and reach more people, more people that will know your love, your peace, your joy, your forgiveness, uh, your restoration. So, Father, thank you so much for the gifts that are being made today for the gifts being made in this room and for the folks that watch online and, and will continue to give. Uh, and Lord, I pray that, as Ron was saying, uh, there's large gifts, there's small gifts, all gifts count, just like in the loaves and the fishes, Lord, that uh, they took up that collection and there was an overabundance at the end that they didn't eat, that there was just extra that you provided. So Lord, let this let this offering drive, let this have extra. Let it have bonus, Lord, because you're blessing it. And it's going to be more than we need. 
to invest back into your kingdom. And, but the best part, Lord, is that I, uh, I know you love us so much and you ask us to, to do these things. And, and uh, I pray that you impress this upon our hearts to give. But Father, we're the ones that are, are the beneficiaries. We're the ones that benefit when we give because uh, we're, we're partaking in, in your partnership, your work. And, uh, and it's, I think of the way that you just love us, Lord, that you help us to become more generous. So Father, that's the prayer this morning. Just like Ron was saying, let this be a gateway that not only are we raising money, Lord, but you're blessing us as we reach out in faith and give that uh, you're helping us become more generous with our money and let that, let that uh, continue its work so that we can be more generous with our time and most of all, Lord, that we could be more generous with our love for each other. So thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. 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 All right. Love you guys. Thanks for being my family. Oh, uh, we're going to sing a song. The ushers are going to come forward. We're going to pass baskets. You can put the, put the cards in the baskets. Thanks you.